Welcome to Alia Graphics April Roundup Podcast. Now, I'm Jürgen Rutia from Kingston Libraries in Victoria. And today I've got with me um, James. Hi, I'm James Baker. I'm from the Melbourne Athenaeum Library. Um, and I'm uh, also um, an educator in the library um, course at um, Swinburne TAFE, Swinburne PAVE, in fact. And we're both in Boomburong and Burundjeri land, and you know, sovereignty was never ceded. So let's have a treaty. Now, um, today we've got uh, a few things to talk about. As usual, we'll talk a little bit about some of the news, and we'll talk about uh, some of the highlights and the graphic novels that are coming out this month. Of course, remember that uh, this also comes out on our blog. And on our blog, you have all the links and all the information, and we actually put more things on our, on our blog post than what we talk about in the podcast. So it's always worth checking out. Now, um, before all that, though, I think uh, let's, let's talk first about something that I'm really, really excited about that we, we've been cooking up in, in the dark. Uh, and we've got James here today because he was actually the person who thought of this and who's been working hard in developing this. So, um, James, to you. Okay, well, I'm not sure that I was the one who first came up with the idea, but I'm certainly the one that's taken it and run with it. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to uh, take credit for, for someone else. I think it was, it was someone else in the group um, oh. first came up with it. But that's fine. Um, but yeah, we're starting um, in July a um, new professional development um, opportunity. Um, and the way this is going to run is it's a book club. Um, and it's a book club for librarians and library workers um, that will um, focus on on some really great graphic novels and comics to talk about. The um, people in the group think are, think are pretty good. We think that you'll enjoy them. And uh, we think that they're also pretty good for your library. So um, one, of the, one of the ideas behind it is to not only be providing um, professional development for how to utilize them, but good recommendations for um, titles to buy for your library. Yeah. Um, and to kind of make sure it's it's achieving as much as it can as PD uh, what we're going to um, do is rather than each each month we're planning on running the monthly rather than each month um, having a particular book that we're looking at we're going to look at a few um, and we're going to try and have it to a theme about how these books um, can be used in libraries so the first month um, in July uh, and we're looking at it on Sunday the 25th of July at 3 p.m. Uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. It will be on Zoom um, because we're opening it up to people all over Australia and indeed internationally, if people from overseas want to want to join in. Excellent. Um, so the first month, the theme is going to be um, introducing new readers to comics. We thought that was a good one to start with, uh, hoping that quite a few people in the group will be new readers to comics as well. Um, so. Um, we'll see how how um, 
how that all plays out. And the titles that we're looking at are really good starters for people who aren't aren't used to reading comics or anything yet. Um, we've got They Called Us Enemy uh, by George Takai, Justin um, Isinger, Stephen Scott, and Harmony Becker, um, which is a biographical um, one that looks at um, George Takai's time um, in an internment camp in America during World War II. That is um, an excellent graphic novel. Uh, mm. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really good one for for this. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is more what you when when you think of comics, much more what what I think most people think of. We're going to look at um, volume one of Ms. Marvel, um, which is called No Normal, and this is by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. It's the start of the uh, Miss Marvel superhero series. And this is following the uh, new Ms. Marvel. So not Carol Danvers, um, but Kamala Khan, who was the first um, Indian-American superheroine to have her own title. She's, uh, she's uh, well, her family actually is from Pakistan. Pakistan, actually. sorry. Yeah. Yes, Pakistani, not Indian. First Muslim uh, first teenage thing. superhero, definitely. Mm. Uh, and uh, well, it's it's a title that uh, I actually have to say that from the moment that it was published, I've been a big fan of, and it's it's probably the one and only Marvel series in the last few years that I've been following regularly, you know, mm. and I can't get enough of Kamala. And it's also very timely. Uh, it, it, I think it's a really great entry point, especially for young people. It's quite diverse. Willow Wilson is an excellent writer, and and uh, it's a really interesting character, quite fresh. It's like the new Spider-Man kind of thing, you know. Mm. And I, it's also quite timely because um, uh, the, um, they're developing the Ms. Marvel TV series for uh, Disney Plus, and then she will also appear in the next Captain Marvel movie. So, so get into it. Yeah, so, so lots of um, good tie-in there for to get people interested. Um, Definitely. And the third one that we're we're going to be looking at is Alone by Christoph Chabute, um, which I've probably not quite pronounced correctly. Uh, my apologies. Um, and that's in the Euro comics tradition. Um, so a bit different to to the other two, um, but. Again, a very powerful, um, very interesting read. Yeah, and I, I think it's a really good one as well to show um, how you can create a graphic novel with very little dialogue. Visually, it tells the story really well visually, so you can talk about that a lot as well mm. with this one. Uh, it's got another title, which is Park Bench, that it's got no words whatsoever as well and that's a really interesting one as well the story of a park bench mm. as a you know 200 page graphic novel but yeah, yeah. Uh, really good books uh, um, I'm really excited about this uh, book club and I think uh, you know it's it's going to be um, a great professional development opportunity where we can talk about uh, um graphic novels and you know what kind of graphic novels you get in the library and different themes but also also you know quite fun as well like book clubs are i do the book yeah. club in in my library sadly not a graphic novel book club but there you go now we have this one so yeah. 
Um, that's awesome. Can you give us a sneak peek of what some of the other themes are? Some of the other themes. So the first month, as I said, is introducing new readers to comics. Um, we're also going to look at women in comics, um, yeah. Australian comics, um, award winners, um, and what what's um, involved in in awards, um, comics that have uh, that are based on other medium media. So yeah. um, adaptations for comics. Yeah. So a few a few different things, um, and we'll we'll try and make sure that we've we're keeping people um, who are interested in the group up to date early enough that um, hopefully they'll be able to um, buy the copies for them to read for the book club um, through their library and add to the library's collection that way, and that'll help keep the um, keep the cost of of it down for uh, for people who want to come, um, and also help to do some great stuff for, for library collections. Excellent. Excellent. So um, that, that's really exciting. And it's starting in July. Starting in July. And if you're interested, um, we've got all the information is going to be on the um, blog as well when, when, this come, when this comes out in the blog. Um, but yeah, uh, Sunday, 25th of July, 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, and if you're interested, um, let us know at by emailing aliagraphicsinfo at gmail.com. Yeah, that's aliagraphicsinfo at gmail.com. Excellent. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about some of the news. Uh, um, and we'll probably keep it a bit shorter than usual, but um, one of the uh, most important piece of news is that, of course, the sequel to the very, very influential March graphic novel um, by John Lewis and Andrew Aiden is coming out um, this year, and it's coming out in August. So that's uh, that's really exciting. Uh, the March uh, graphic novel trilogy, of course, was still in the story of John Lewis and some of the other leaders during the civil rights movement. And of course, this uh, focuses on what happened after when he uh, ran for Senate. And of course, he was a senator for a very, very long time until he passed away quite recently. Uh, so uh, the March Graphic Novel Trilogy was excellent and I'm really, really excited about this one as well. Um, I think it will be really, really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, been, been really good and um, have worked really well um, to create the, the visual story as well as the written one. So um, really, really use the medium as well as it could be used, I think. Yeah, that's right. And how often do you get a senator, you know, <laughs> to <laughs> to create uh, a graphic novel and such an influential graphic novel? It's awesome. And John Lewis was great. So, uh, so yeah, good stuff. Um, there's also um, uh, an interesting article from Publishers Weekly uh, that looks at um, sales of middle grade graphic novels and how they continue to grow and how publishers are now moving to expand that branch uh, into early readers of graphic novels. So, you know, um, stuff like um, Nawal and Nawal and Jelly. You know, like really early reader uh, kind of uh, graphic novels. 
Uh, here in Australia, I guess the, one of the prime examples would be Anders, you know, by Gregory Mackay, which is, you know, not many words, very simple kind of drawings and, you know, and just get those early readers in. I know my son, um, the first comic he ever read was uh, Anders and the Comet. And, you know, that was the gateway. And, uh, you know, ten, uh, five years later, he's uh, still reading tons of comics. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really interesting how publishers are. They see that middle grade uh, sales are booming, and now they're kind of trying to move downwards into early readers. Yeah. yeah was there any other uh, news item that uh, kind of caught, got your attention? Well, the one that, that caught my attention um, is the uh, best-selling um, comics and graphic novels franchises lists, which um, the data from the US has been released through um, ICV2. And some that are pretty standard, like you can pretty much guess that Batman's going to be top of the superhero franchises. Um <laughs> And lots that are tied in with films and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, for example, on the author graphic novels, um, you, number one is The Boys, number two, Umbrella Academy, number three, Walking Dead, number four was March, which we were just talking about how great that was. But yeah, um, yeah as you can see, a lot of a lot of um, um, film and TV uh, tie-in stuff that's um, that's up. But there are lists for um, kids superheroes, manga, and uh, author-based um, graphic novel series, yeah. which are really interesting and um, can be a really good way to, um, these, are, these are things that people are interested in. So good, good ones to look at for your library. I like how ICV kind of publishes these, um, these uh, lists about what's kind of selling and they do it every month. And I always have a bit of a look because, you know, you, you, you kind of see the usual suspects uh, there, and there are some perennial ones that are always there. Uh, but uh, sometimes you get some little surprises and things that suddenly pop into the list. Uh, so it's it's good to keep track. I wish we had data uh, of Australian comic sales, but uh, unfortunately we don't. So we need to go with what uh, we can get <laughs> from the US. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, of course, there's also the news that uh, um, and we'll probably talk about Tom Taylor a later, uh, but he's going to start writing a Superman series. And so, you know, congratulations, Tom, because I know that this means a lot to him. Uh, Superman, uh, he's always talked about how much Superman means to him. So um, I'm very, very happy for him. And I'm really looking forward to see um, what he does with the character because he's wanted uh, this for so long. So. Yeah, well, I, I remember him um, seeing him speak at a uh, Comic-Con um, just after he'd been writing the Injustice tie-in yep. um, and how absolutely thrilled he was to uh, to have got to write that bit of that opening stuff with Superman and... and um, the interactions with the Joker and Lois at the start there. And um, yeah, just so thrilled. So yeah, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic series. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Um, I mean, 
I'm a fan of everything Tom writes anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 I know I know how much this means to him, so I'm excited to see what he does. Now, uh, last piece of news probably is uh, I wanted to mention that the Hugo Award finalists have come out. And, uh, you know, the Hugo Awards are obviously fantasy and sci-fi uh, awards, but they do have a, a, a section for uh, a category for best uh, graphic story or comic. And uh, it's always interesting to see uh, what uh, gets nominated into these things. Uh, so uh, we've got Die Volume 2, um, which is a really good series. I've really been enjoying that one. Ghost, uh, Ghost Spider Volume 1, which I can't say that I've read. But... Well, it's, that's the, I haven't read that one, but I've, I've been reading... Um the spider gwen which that's a continuation of and that's been really good um yeah so i may need to check this one out mm. invisible kingdom by uh written by willow wilson and artist christian ward uh, so willow wilson who we were mentioning before uh writer of miss marvel and this is an excellent excellent series uh monstrous uh very highly awarded comic book series once in future which I know you and I are both fans of. Well, that was my that was my um, pick for the one of the best of last year on that on our yearly roundup podcast. Correct. So, yeah. Yes, and uh, I recently read volume two, and damn, it's a fan series. I really love it. Yeah. Um, and Parable of the Soa, a graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's um, novel. Uh, a very interesting uh, graphic novel as well. So yeah, it's uh, it, it interesting to see what gets nominated into these um, into the Hugo Awards. So uh, well, just uh, a reminder, you know, uh, check out also um, our blog post uh, because there are more news items, and we also have some collections and PD um, items there as well. Um, so there's a panel talk and uh, there's also some media resources there. So check that out, check those out. Uh, now, uh, looking at this month's new releases, is there anything that stood out for you? Um, well, the, the one that's, that um, stood out for me, um, thinking about my library, is the Black Widow Volume 1, The Ties That Bind. Uh, by Kelly Thompson and Elena uh, Casagrande, uh, because with the Black Widow film coming out um, in a couple of months, um, it's a good time to to get some um, some new Black Widow titles to tie in with that. Um, so that's definitely one I'll be looking at for the library. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that that's a good pick, and definitely with the movie coming out soon and. Uh, you know, finally, because it's been delayed from last year, but yeah, with the movie coming out soon, that's a really interesting one. Um, any other, James? I'm interested to to look at the um, to, It's Still Alive by Safdar Ahmed. Um, going to see the book launch of that later in the month. That's correct. Uh, uh, so this book launch uh, in Melbourne uh, later uh, in May. Yeah, it's in May, yeah. And so um, 
we hope to be there. And they just had their launch in Sydney just recently. Uh, um, we, we also have interviewed Safda Ahmed and uh, the creator chat with him will be coming out in the next few weeks. So look out for that one because it's a really, really great chat with him. And the book is absolutely amazing. Um, really amazing book. I think um, a very, very important uh, piece of work that's been published in Australia. And I yeah. hope, I hope that, uh, I hope that he really finds success. And I hope people really pick this book. Definitely. Um, yeah. So what about you, Yogi? Uh, well, what are, what are uh, you looking forward to? Before I say uh, what I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm going to say um, one that I know my son is really looking forward to. I think it was last year, but it may have been the year before. They, uh, they published a book called Dear Justice League. And it's a middle grade uh, graphic novel where the Justice League basically answer um, letters from their fans. And it's quite a funny, it's a really, really funny book. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's, uh, I, I loved it. My son loved it. And so they're releasing uh, now uh, a second one. And this one's called Dear Super Villains. So uh, I imagine that they'll be answering questions as well. And it should be a really, really fun one. Of course, kids will also be looking forward to um, the graphic novel adaptation of The Last Kids on Earth. Um, that should be pretty popular. But me personally, we mentioned Tom before. And Tom is a very, very prolific writer. I don't know how he does it. I have a theory that he's actually um, a vampire or something like that. I don't know. This guy doesn't sleep. It's the only thing. He's, I hope he's listening sense. to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so this month he uh, he's publishing Hellblazer: Rise and Fall from DC Comics, and it's a DC uh, Comics Black Label publication. I love the character, and I'm really looking forward to see what he does with um, with uh, Constantine. So this should be a really really fun one. Yeah, for those who don't know, Hellblazer is this is um, John Constantine, so the Keanu Reeves movie, and um, I can't think who played him in the TV series. Um, uh, me neither. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great character, and uh, and I think Tom's got Constantine down pat, especially like um, mm. when he appeared in Injustice and things like that. So, so I think this will be a really really fun one. And of course, they're also publishing, so DC Comics is also publishing Suicide Squad, uh, Bad Blood by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. And again, I'm really excited about this. I think that uh, Tom, uh, I'm sure he's uh, had a lot of fun with these characters. And this, uh, this actually collects all 11 issues of the series. So it's one volume and it collects the whole run of it. Uh, so it's all contained. And uh, yeah, so that should be a really fun one. And that's another and, one to keep an eye out on as well because the Suicide Squad film's coming out August, I think. That's right. So, and another thing to mention as well is that in this run of Suicide Squad, he actually created a new uh, character 
It's a brand new character that, uh, that he created in collaboration with some uh, indigenous uh, people. Uh, so, um, and it's an indigenous character that um, appears. So, uh, so it will be really interesting to, to, to read that uh, and see what he's done with that. I was kind of thinking, should I read it as it was coming out? But um, I grew up in Europe and I like to read, you know, collected editions or trades so that I have a, a whole story. Um, um, I kind of moved away from floppies a few years ago. And even though sometimes I'm tempted, I usually resist <laughs> that. But yeah, still alive, of course, as you mentioned, um, and I've already read it, and it's an amazing book, so I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, so I, I think that's, um, I think that those are the main ones, you know. I think we should kind of move on to the interview with Daniel, unless you have something else that you wanted to add. No, no, just uh, make sure that you check out the blog as well and follow us on social media, um, Alia Graphic uh, on Twitter and Facebook. And of course, our blog, which is yeah. um, aliagraphic.blogspot.com. Today, we have a really interesting guest with us. Daniel is a librarian at Monash University in Clayton, Victoria. And he's in charge of a special collections and is the guardian of all sorts of amazing old books. His Instagram, old book librarian, is also wildly popular. And today he's going to be talking to us about what it's like taking care of all those old books, more, and more importantly for us, what could possibly be the largest collection of comics in Australia, or at least one of the largest. Uh, welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, let's begin with the basics. Um, putting you on the spot completely. Do you read comics or have you ever read them? Um, well, yes, in a way, yes. I, I, I have read comics. Um, you know, I guess it's, it's sort of a, an interesting question because it's something that I get asked often in my job is, you know, are you... You know, do you have an interest in history or literature or, um, you know, medieval manuscripts or comics? Um, but, you know, what I, the, the answer, the generic answer I normally give is that, you know, as, as a rare books librarian, you have to have a really good understanding um, of all facets of print history. Um, and that includes comics as well. So um, to answer your question, uh, I did read a lot of comics when I was younger. Um, and I guess like, you know, several people, probably none of your listeners. Uh, I eventually, you know, moved away from uh, from comics. But you know, that doesn't uh, mean that I don't understand their importance, um, particularly from a, a literary, uh, a literacy and societal perspective. Um, they're they're incredibly important, uh, and that's why um, you know I've, I've always been a strong advocate of having comics in in special collections. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's something that, you know, I think is really important to have, uh, as a, as a, you know, a social document. What comics did you read when, when you were a kid? Um, so, you know, when I was, I was born in England. So, um, when I was young, I used to get, you know, weekly, uh, Beano's and Dandies. Uh, they were sort of, you know, the, the weekly periodicals of comics. Um, and then for some reason I got really into Garfield comics. 
um, <clears throat> which, you know, my son loves all my old Garfield comics now. I know that's probably, you know, it's not you. you there'll probably be a few people who are scoffing at, at Garfield. Um, it's probably not, you know, a true comic, but, you know, uh, it brought me lots of joy. Um, but when I moved to Australia, I really got into the Phantom big time. So, you know, um, you know, I had all the T-shirts and I think I had a Phantom bust at one stage. I remember getting around with, um, you know, the, the Phantom, his, his pistols. He used to have these purple pistols he used to get around with, um, which I think I got from the Royal Show. Like they used to have Phantom show bags. But, yes, but like, you know, like I said, I sort of moved away from comics at, at uh, in my teenage years. Um, but, you know, I, I held on to all of those things and I actually donated the, you know, the majority of what I have to State Library, um, which is kind of cool to think, you know, those, those things that I read and reread over and over yeah. again as a teenager and a kid is, is sitting in um, one of Australia's best collections now. That's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with Garfield. I've read plenty of Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, is it right? I, I think feel every like kid based, goes through that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've based my life and probably my career on on Garfield's stance on on life. Um, you know, maybe probably a little bit too cynical, um, but uh, you know, he's all right. That cut. There's nothing wrong with being cynical. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and the Phantom's pretty cool <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and the Phantoms, like, uh, it's, it's got an interesting history here in Australia. You know, it so. does, in, yeah, definitely in Australia, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah um, uh, just recently they actually announced that um, I think is Julie Dietrich. She's going to be the first uh, female writer for the Phantom. Oh, cool. Very soon, So, um, which was interesting news. Mm. Moving on with the times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took a while, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so um, you're at Monash University. So what's in the Monash University comics collection? And more to the point, I guess, I'm sure they have uh, some comics that are, you know, for more regular use, I guess, but then more to the point also the special collection. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so it is a, a substantial collection of comics uh, with a particular focus on, on Australian comics uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but we have a particular strength in World War II era Australian comics. So, you know, the, the period during World War II and then pre-World War II, post-World War II, um, or, you know, what is, I guess, commonly referred to as, you know, the, the golden age of, of comic books in Australia. Um, which is, you know, at that particular period of, of comics is, is really important um, and something that we, you know, that some, some other institutions hold, but we really wanted to focus on that uh, because that was sort of the driver for, you know, um, you know, social movements and the Australian cultural psyche, um, as well as the establishment of, a, a, you know, a true Australian comic book scene as opposed to, uh, bringing in imports from the States and England. Um, so, you know, you had your standalone artists, everything was produced um, within it, within Australia and locally. Um, so it's a, a really cool period of time uh, for Australian comics. That is what I would say is the strength of the collection is, is that period. Um, although we do still hold a lot of international comics. Um, so, you know, uh, a lot of Marvel comics, 
as well as um, we try to collect as much original panel art as possible, uh, but it's, you know, hard to, hard to get these days. Um, so we do, we do rely on, on donations and things like that as well. How, how large do you think it is, the collection more or less? How many items um, do you have? It's hard to tell because, you know, they, they came when I sort of, I started at Monash probably nearly six years ago. And, you know, the, there was, when I came in, there had previously been a, a project to, to catalogue some of the, the comics. So, you know, we, we hired an external cataloger to come in and do it. You know, we only had a certain amount of money to do that. So mm -hmm. that through about maybe a third of the collection. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the, the, the number of comics in there, I don't know, I would hazard a guess of maybe upwards of 10,000, maybe more, um, probably more. Um, for, so so yeah, pretty much for whatever is catalogued, we have twice as much in backlog waiting to be catalogued. Mm -hmm. um, but from what I've seen, you know, we sort of extracted all the more important titles. Um, all the Australian titles have been catalogued from what I can see. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the goal is to have them all catalogued or housed correctly you know, who knows, the, the nature of libraries is that, you know, budgets change, uh, staff, staffing changes, maybe it'll never be catalogued fully, but uh, I would like to think one day it will. Um, so it's you know. a constant ongoing job. Oh, 100%. 100%. And um, do, do, do you still get um, donations? So is the collection still growing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the things that we look for is, is donations of comics. Um, you know, like most institutions, space is an issue, particularly for special collections. So we have to be um, a little bit picky from what we can take. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been pretty fortunate to have a number of things donated to us, but we have uh, also purchased quite a lot of material as well um, from local um, booksellers who are sort of, you know, comic aficionados um, and, you know, have, have written on the subject themselves. So the material that they've given us, uh, uh, you know, is, uh, has significant research potential as well. What are some of the hidden treasures or highlights? Hmm. And maybe you can talk about the significance of some yeah. of the Yeah. I mean, there's some really, you know, there's some really rare things in the collection, um, but some really cool things as well. So, you know, I guess from a personal perspective, the kinds of the couple of things that I really love in the collection, we've got a, uh, a couple of uh, copies of um, wartime Marvel comics. Um, so, you know, 43, uh, 1943, around that period, um, we've got a, a copy of The Human Torch uh, during that period. And he, uh, it's just a really fantastic cover of him smashing in through um uh the japanese high command um and you know obviously during that period you know the um i guess the caricatures of japanese soldiers isn't particularly you know it was not politically correct in any you know in, in any way yeah. it's highly offensive but um there that the human torch is smashing through to the japanese high command and there's a there's a map of australia on on the table you know like an invasion map of australia but I think from a, uh, a cultural perspective and, you know, a wartime perspective, it's kind of cool to, when you think about all of the Americans coming to Australia during that period for the Pacific War, you know, how we sort of became this sort of tight-knit allies. Um, but more than that, it's also that, um, you know, Australia wasn't really 
thought of, you know, in a, in a world stage, particularly, you know, when you look at American comics, you know, Australia was very rarely mentioned to have, to have that acknowledgement that we're a country, you know, uh, was, was kind of cool. Um, and, you know, it's, it's even in Australian comics, um, you know, there, there wasn't many representations of uh, Australian soldiers mm. in the time was sort of, we repurposed American stories for our own, um, but yeah. Uh, the, the other thing which is is really cool, um, which I, I particularly love, is uh, a migrant that came out, um, Emil Mersa. He's, he's fairly well-known uh, artist, illustrator, and author of a lot of comic books during that golden age period. Yeah. Um, so we've got sort of a, an archive of his original panel artwork, uh, as well as, you know, a lot of art, artwork he did for periodical publications. Um, but he came out from New Caledonia, I think like 19... 18, I think, or 1919, um, moved to Sydney and, and, you know, sort of got working on, you know, uh, a lot of publications with comic strips. Um, and then, you know, he basically during that World War II period, he, um, well, you know, there was sort of the trade embargoes on Australia. Um, you know, we couldn't import things from America. So, you know, like I said before, we had, uh, you know, these local artists creating things and you know, um, basically he sort of created these one-off things where he sort of circumvented all of these rules. So, you know, we weren't allowed to publish Superman, uh, Batman, you know, uh, Mudrake, or not Batman, sorry, but, you know, uh, Mandrake the Magician, um, Flash Gordon, we, we could sort of, we weren't allowed to republish those. So he created these sort of laconic Australian icons like um, for Mandrake the Magician, he had Mudrake the Magician, which was sort of this bumbling fool of a magician, but, you know, pretty much an Australian uh we had um speed we got and we've got the panel uh work for his first copy of speed uncle stoop which was a, a takeoff of flash gordon you know so these sort of names this sort of you know idiotic characters but you know kind of endearing and funny yeah. um and then we had uh this like uh sort of hop along cassidy we had trip along hoppity which you know just in the name itself you can tell he's a bit of an idiot um and then yeah and superman we had super duper man you know so he created these sort of funny funny characters um and he was he was just he was well loved in in australian comic he took a real interest in uh australian culture and really got it it's just you know really amazing stuff but when you look at the artwork and panel artwork itself it's it's one of the yeah one of the things that i love to look at the most that sounds really really cool i'd love to see uh, i'd love to read those yeah yeah well, yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I love the titles. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so um, <clears throat> you you said that you know the cataloging them is kind of ongoing, and you still get donations and all that. And and some of these items are really really old. So how mm. how's the collection preserved? <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, when I came in, they weren't really well preserved at all. <clears throat> they were they were thrown into you know pamphlet archive boxes you know they weren't they weren't bagged you know they were sort of just thrown together basically so you know one of the the big issues particularly with that sort of you know particularly with World War II comics but even before that you know when you go into pulps and stuff like that the the paper is really hard to preserve you know the the, the nature of trying to during that period of trying to create publications on the cheap with limited supplies, you know, the, the quality of the paper is really poor. So, um, you know, when you expose oxygen to those chemicals, they just start breaking down. You get that smell that you get from old comics and, you know, newspapers and stuff like that. 
which some people really hate, but I particularly love that smell of decay uh, in, in books. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, a few years ago, you know, when we noticed that there was, you know, this is an issue um, that you can't stop them degrading, but you can slow down that process, you know, we put forward a bit of a proposal to, to preserve them. So uh, I worked with um, Archival Survival, which is the, you know, I guess the, the suppliers of archival material to Australian institutions to create bespoke comic book boxes um, that are archival standard, acid free. And then we basically bagged every single comic individually in, in you know, a, a nice thick polypropylene bag. Um, and then, you know, box them up nice, nice and sealed there, you know, obviously, uh, we have a, a controlled environment in the special collections. So humidity temperature is cool and light as well. So, um, yeah, the, the goal is to continue with that. Like I said, there's a lot of backlog there that hasn't had this treatment yet, but we hope to get to it eventually. Um, one of the things, you know, it's incredibly expensive, you know, you're probably looking at well, when I say incredibly expensive, you're probably looking about a couple of bucks per comic to, to, to do the proper housing and stuff. But yeah. when, you, when you've got tens of thousands, it becomes yeah. expensive. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is really important, important stuff to do. Uh, and, you know, particularly important because we don't, a lot of these are still within copyright. Um, so we're not able to digitise them to preserve them. Yeah. So really, for me, what it's about is to try to make sure that we slow them down enough so that when they're out of copyright, we can just digitize the entire collection and then they'll be, you know, uh, yeah. they'll be there. Yeah. That's um, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd love to visit. So at, at some point, we need to organize a visit. <laughs> yeah, 100%. If possible, yeah, yeah. If possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we love sort of these behind the scenes tours of, you know, yeah. um, you get a real good idea of um of what's in the collection but you know all the work that's done to preserve these particularly comics you know where they're sort of the idea is that they're ephemeral and you know and yeah. can be thrown away and you know the fact that uh people have made the effort to collect them and to look after them is, is pretty cool is there an online catalog that can be consulted um, yep. uh, yeah i mean what's well, there? i guess you know like Pretty much, you know, pretty much all libraries we have an online catalogue, and probably like all libraries, our online catalogue is probably not that great for finding things. You know, um, we don't have it like a standalone uh, index of, of the comics, um, but you know, if you were to go to the Monash Library catalogue, um, you can actually refine special collections, um, and, and they should all be catalogued with you know with subject headings, including comics. So if you just put in comics. It'll bring all that stuff up for you, but you know, uh, I guess accessibility, uh, discoverability is something that uh, we we are really trying to work on in terms of you know making them accessible, making them findable. Um, but you know, once again, you know, with with you know when you when you're thinking of staffing, when you're thinking of yes. money, it, it becomes hard, you know. And uh, one of the issues which is sort of just starting to rear its head now is the sort of the decline of rare book cataloging. Uh, you know, there, there are very, very, very few rare book catalogers these days. Um, most of them have retired. Um, so, you know, if you want that sort of really rich record for, for rare books, which include comics, uh, it can be really hard to find. And, and when you do find a good one, they tend to be incredibly slow. You know, they, you know they'll do two comics a day but those records are amazing, you know. So 
uh, yeah. it becomes this sort of, you know, I guess a bit of a clash of ideas in libraries, you know, if you want this rich record or do you just want to, you know, get them out as quickly as possible? Yeah. Um, I know which I would prefer, but, uh, you know, um, one day when you and I are in charge of libraries, Yogi, we can, uh, we can, we can make these moves. Yeah. Good one. Um, <laughs> is, is, is there a way for anyone to access the collection or is it just for Monash Uni students and academics? Yeah, no, no. Um, you know, I mean, one of the wonderful things about the Monash Special Collection is that it is, it is open to the public. Um, uh, so literally anything, you know, anything in there can be viewed. So um, if there's something that is incredibly rare or incredibly fragile, there, there is a good chance you'll be able to view it. Um, so yeah, like I was saying before, with a catalogue, if you find something that you want to have a look at, uh, please feel free to request it and you can organise a time to view it in our reading room uh, or just contact me and we can have a look. Um, but, you know, one of the things that that we try to do um, is uh, well, that we do, but we're trying to do more of is, you know, more engagement and outreach and things like that. So, you know, uh, it's not just, you know, the special collections isn't just confined to special collections. So if your listeners are from, you know, public libraries or uh, special libraries um, and they want to make use of the comics in our collection, uh, then, you know, we do have outreach and engagement programs where we could, you know, organize exhibitions for you or you know if you have teaching programs uh we are more than happy to accommodate those kinds of things uh you know there's there's nothing we love more than talking about old old books and old comics and old things in general um it's pretty awesome when you you know see the the faces of, of some people when they when you bring out these old things you know we've actually got a class coming up in a couple of weeks for grade one and two kids from down and on primary yeah um you know, that, that's one of the awesome things that I love doing for, you know, these sort of programs for kids where they get to, they get to attach a, a 500 year old book, you know, it's, it's a pretty awesome thing. Um, that's one, yeah, one of the things that really keeps me going uh, in, in this job. It's not just about buying new things and buying figurines. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Check out this amazing stuff that was made. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, one of the awesome things about having historical collections, you can sort of see that transition you know, from, from panel work, you know, to comic strips and just illustrations in general up to, you know, contemporary comics, you know, it gives you a real idea of, of how, you know, Australian comics came to be, uh, which is probably not something that we necessarily think about all the time. Uh, mm. You know, you're buying new comics and stuff for the collection. It's, you know, necessarily consider, you know, how, how did we get to this point? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, um, are there any academics at Monash Uni who champion comics or use comics as part of their coursework or academic yeah. research? Or do I you mean, get academics maybe, you know, contacting you and saying, hey, uh, can I check this collection? And yeah. to, to, to some degree, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess I sort of I've given you the sense that, you know, the, the, the collection hasn't necessarily been as well looked after and as well uh, as yeah. as well as it could be. Um, I think you know we're we're definitely at the stage where you know comic studies is is taken seriously. Um, so it's really about you know getting it out there into the faculties and the schools and stuff like that. That you know it does it does get used infrequently for um, for research and people you know 
postgrad students will will uh, call them out and you know they'll they'll use them in the reading room. Um, but there are programs at Monash. Um, there's one called uh, I think Leapwood Leapwood Lane, uh, which is about uh, programs for using graphic novels and comics for for teaching uh, for early early childhood literacy. Um, you know, so one of the things that you know I really want to want to do with the collection is to broaden the the idea of the comic as something just for children, but um, that the fact that it can permeate into all areas of academia, you know, you. you you know, there's nothing in a comic that you can't apply to something else. Mm. So, you know, I think we've talked previously about graphic medicine, you know, the idea of using illustrations to, to teach. I just say at the moment, I feel like it's probably a bit of an untapped resource, but, you know, the, what, the way universities work and the way academia works is that, you know, it, it, they are so uh, time restricted, you know, they're, they're time poor. Um, so it can be hard for them to, to really, uh, to make changes to, to their syllabus uh, and incorporate things like comics. But, um, you know, all we can do is, you know, promote them, house them, describe them, yes. and then, you know, um, hopefully, hopefully they'll, they'll, it'll kick into gear at some point. I've heard through the grapevine that you may be contributing to a book about the Australian comics in special collections. Yeah. If yeah. it's not all hash-hash, what can you tell us? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, um, I mean, I guess at the moment I've got my, my chapter in my first draft, so you know it could very well be rejected. So I won't get too excited about it. But it, it's it's it sounds like a really awesome publication. It's from two uh, librarians at James Madison in Virginia. They're uh, special collections uh, people. Uh, they wanted to do a book that focused on um, comic books, uh, academic libraries, but with a particular focus on special collections. So um, pretty much, you know, right up. My alley. Um, so it's been it's been published with by ACRLs, the um, Association of College and Research Libraries in the states. But yeah, the, basically the chapters will talk about things like developing collections, not just you know purchasing, but in you know sort of inclusive collections, um, teaching, engagement, um, and then promotion as well. There's there's various various things in there. Pretty much a, a sort of a, a complete um, guide to special collections and comic books. Um, my my chapter in particular focused on the Australian comic book, um, mm -hmm. and then sort of the, you know the importance of collecting local locally produced comic books. Um, which, although you know this, if the focus is on Australia, obviously it can depend on anything. You know, you could argue that you know locally produced comics in the northern suburbs. You know, you, you, this is why you collect in this area because you know you get a, a, an idea, you, you get a, a you capture a certain point of history uh, from a particular area or a particular. Um, group of people um so yeah the, basically i'm using the that world war ii period to talk about you know um how comic books came into australia but you know that period of time um how we really sort of cemented our place in the world in terms of our identity you know obviously it's important to acknowledge when i talk about these things you're talking about you know uh colonial white identity you know, because that that is sort of you know that is the thing. It's important, really important to acknowledge that um, when we talk about cultural identity with comics. Um, yeah, so it's it you know fingers crossed. You know they don't completely tear tear it apart when I get it back. But um, it, it yeah, be on the lookout for it. it. Should it should be interesting. If not, you know, 
for the other authors who are, who are far more uh, better versed in these things than me. But um, yeah. Uh, well, at, keep us posted on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. Because, yeah. um, you know, my, when, when I had spoken to the editors, like, you know, even though there is, the focus is on academic libraries, you know, the, the, the idea is that um, it'll work for anyone, state libraries, public libraries, you know, the, yeah. the concepts or the, yeah, the, the ideas will be the same. That's cool. So um, kind of starting to wrap up a, a bit, but um, so do, do you also collect uh, current and contemporary um, Australian graphic novels? Uh, me personally or the, the collection? The collection. The collection, yeah. Yeah, no, we do. We try to, as, as much as we can, you know, I, I try to collect sort of out there kind of wacky things as opposed to, you know, you sort of things you can get off a newsstand. Um, so, um, you know, I think it, you can incorporate things like zines as well in, into yeah. this. You know, sometimes, you know, there is a bit of an overlap there. So, you know, these sort of uh, private, I guess, you know, small batch publications um, that are, you know, are going to be rare, you know, if they're only producing 10 of them, um, you know, uh, it's kind of cool having them in the collection. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's about bringing different voices into the collection. Well, right now, there's a, uh, this month, um, there's a new graphic novel being published that are um, here in Australia that, that I think it's a really interesting one and one that I hope it's preserved by someone. Mm -hmm. For a long time, um, it's uh, still alive by Savda Ahmed. I, I don't know. Maybe you remember uh, about five years ago, something like that. He actually won an award for uh, a web comic that he did called uh, Villa Boot Notes from a Detention Center. Now, basically, he's developed that web comic. You know, it's grown enormously, and now it's a full graphic novel. So. Um, it basically tells the stories of um, mm. asylum seekers um, in detention here in Australia. Mm. And he he did a lot of, uh, he did some um, art workshops with them and things like that and developed a relationship. And then from that, you know, he started kind of um, developing these stories and telling this, um, you know, and developing mm. this comic. Yeah. And um, it's, it, it's an amazing um Amazing graphic novel. So it's things I mean, that, like sounds, that, that sounds perfect. I think yeah. need to be preserved, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know uh, one of the one of the key things for special collections or you know as any librarian with comics is that you need to be part of these conversations. Like you need to be part of a community to to get this sort of insight because you know I've never heard of it, but now I'm going to look into it. You know, um, mm. you know that's something I would. I would recommend, but also ask for, you know, um, people who are part of this Alia group is, you know, if you, if there is something of interest you think is worthy of being in a collection is to, is to reach out to uh, librarians and let them know that, you know, this is worth having because, um, you know, if you can't get it for your collection, you know, maybe someone else can. So, you know, if we can get one copy uh, in, a, in an institution somewhere, it's uh, yeah. better than nothing. At the end, we always ask our guests to recommend three comics or graphic novels, and they can be new ones or mm. recently or three of your favorites, up to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, um, you, wanna, it, you can take this whatever way you want. Like maybe you want to highlight three things uh, that are in your collection or, you know, or three things that you read 
uh, when you were a kid? The actually because I've you know I've got a couple of small kids, so I do buy them graphic novels quite often. And um, my eight year old gave me a recommendation. Uh, what was it called? This was our pact, um, which was really cool. Great book. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, and like it was just like you got you've got to read this, um, which was you know it was just yeah amazing, um, really fantastic book, and you know a, a real gateway book into to other things. Thank you for joining us today, Daniel. It's it's been a pleasure, and um, you know um, I recommend anyone to check the Monash University collection, and and you know especially academics or you know anyone um, um, you know, visit this library and um, and maybe arrange a time to have a look. I definitely will do that. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah, no worries. Uh, really appreciate it. No problems. Thanks, Yogi. Thanks for listening to Aliographic Podcast. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube page and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Aliographic, email us at aliographicinfo at gmail.com and check our blog, aliographic.blogspot.com for updates, monthly roundups of news and new release titles.